0: Hello, this is Jane Gunn, the corporate peacemaker and um, author of How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. This podcast is about how we can gain a better understanding of some of the aspects of conflict to help us lead happier and more productive lives. Well, today I'm speaking with Nikki Schaefer. Uh, Hello, Nikki. Hi, Jane. And Nikki is a professional interior designer who works uh, on residential and commercial projects in uh, the home counties in london and she's the author of a a book called creating space which is a design guide to dedicated creating space through the home and that benefits our well-being and that's the bit i'm really interested in Uh, so you might you might wonder why as a mediator uh, and a conflict resolver i'm speaking to nikki but the point is i think that environment is very important in terms of the impact it has, as Nikki says, on well-being and how we feel about ourselves. So, um, Nikki, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you've come to be um, interested in creating lovely spaces.
1: Well, it's lovely to talk to you. I started um, in, a, in the creative world. I've always worked in the creative world. And then once, upon, once I had my family, um, decided that I wanted to have my own business and to continue in something that I deeply love. Yes. And my father was in the R.E.F., so we moved an awful lot yes. um, every, yes. every two to three years. And so I was brought up quite instinctively figuring out firstly where furniture goes but I think more importantly to figure out how quickly I can make a new space home Mm. Uh, and that has always um, kind of lived with me. I've I've moved many many times and lived in um, many countries and many different types of houses and boarding school and all kinds of different rooms and each of them had that that immediate sense of how do I make this mine and how do I make it my my home um, and so once I've settled down with children um, it was interesting to think how they wanted to to feel and how I wanted them how I wanted to bring them up and create spaces for them so I retrained in interior design and um, have been having fun ever since. <laughs>
0: well I'm glad you're <laughs> having fun I, and you know and I think that's part of my Uh, rationale is that, you know, even though we may be running uh, businesses, business meetings, I may be running meetings which are around resolving conflict, there's no reason why the environment in which we do it shouldn't be nice and even fun. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, I wonder what thoughts you have about... Because when I'm when I'm talking to people about being a mediator and I I ran a session last year on this and I said to them, think about yourself, not as a meeting organizer, where all you're concerned about is what's on the agenda and what are we going to talk about? But think about yourself as a host or hostess of a dinner party. You know, people are coming into your space How are you going to make them feel welcome? You know, what could you do with that? Because basically, we're in in an office space. You're in four white walls, really, maybe with some bookshelves. But it doesn't feel very special. How can you make that space immediately feel welcoming to people? So what sort of thoughts would you have on that, Nikki? I think that's like all good personal development, actually. It's about
1: thinking about what your final outcome is going to be and what the intention is and how you want people to feel as they leave. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to think uh, from their perspective. Yes. And, and, for, and immediately in doing that, they are going to walk into an unfamiliar space. It might be familiar to you, but mm-hmm. from their perspective, it's going, it could be um, unfamiliar. And so it's about setting a scene for them to be um as comfortable as possible. Um, I think, in terms of conflict, it might be different to mediation in terms of meetings, just holding a meeting. Mm. Um, you know I love that idea about having a dinner party that's in, that's exactly what you're doing you're welcoming people into. Even if you're having a dinner party, it can be quite an unfamiliar space. You know, mm-hmm. there's the, always that kind of, oh, do you want to drink? And, oh, when did you move here? And how was your journey? Mm-hmm. And all of that. So if people can sit down comfortably, if they can get into the room, if the chairs are comfortable, if it's, if it's well lit, mm-hmm. uh, immediately they will come into a space. And human beings, for, for one thing, will walk to the, the most naturally lit spot part of the room uh, in order to, to feel quite comfortable. So, having somewhere that's got some natural light would be of immediate benefit to calm people down. Um, Kind of a flickering fluorescent strip light uh, Mm -hmm. might not be the most comfortable um, environment, but it's it's about thinking about how you want them to feel, and that would be immediately you want them to feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. and then you want people to be able to discuss harmoniously. Mm -hmm. So all of those elements need to be
0: present in the room
1: at some level.
0: I like the idea about natural light and, in fact, one of the things I often look for is a view of some plants. You know, it could be a garden outside or even a little courtyard, but if that's available and, uh, you know, that people can see out and they can see nature as well, that seems to be quite calming too. It's, It's very calming and
1: very contemplative um and so i think when you are asking difficult questions people have something to gaze onto mm. that's in a way bigger than they are um and and so they they calm down naturally and i think are, are possibly possibly more reasonable as a result
0: it definitely makes a difference, I have found. I mean, I remember doing a mediation many years ago now, but it was a very difficult um, medical negligence mediation. But the room we had, and it partly my fault for not having checked it out, was a tiny room with no windows at all. And so the, 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 the lack of space, the fact that people were almost sitting on top of each other and the lack of sort of air and light was so suffocating that it was almost impossible for people to talk at all. Yeah, we've all been into meeting rooms like that and you
1: immediately, all you want to do is get out again and that doesn't mean to say that you want to get out with your, um, with the the situation resolved, it just means you want to get out and you can be quite cantankerous as a result. Where, you know, we've also been into massive conference halls, which we've had to spend the entire weekend there. And, you know, it's almost dark and you can't tell what time of day it is. And it just feels rather uh, Orwellian, you know, virtually, um, trying to make people feel suppressed. Whereas if you walk into a nice, bright space, you calm down, your breathing calms, your eyes um focus on things that are pleasant it will it will have a um a physiological reaction on you which will subsequently change how you think and and ultimately what you say
0: mm, very powerful so if we were if we're coming into a space which isn't ours supposing i'm renting a, an office space for the day uh, apart from seeing it first and making sure it's got enough natural light and reasonably comfortable chairs what sort of things could i bring into that space that might help to make it feel more welcoming or more or calmer for people well lighting um it sounds quite an unusual thing
1: to do, but um changing the lighting will probably have the most impact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it you know it might seem quite unusual to have a table lamp in the corner or a floor lamp in the corner, but it will cast a different glow um and it will make um it will make a difference to the room um plants as well um if if it's possible to bring those kind of things in um you know not to the extent of having cushions and throws and things like that but you know a, a company would be nice wouldn't it um, wrap wrap yourself up dear um, <laughs> it's gonna be a tough day um it's it's about making things comfortable perhaps just the positioning of the seating
0: yeah
1: um, rather than you know if all if the, the, oh, that scraping of chairs Um, can be very uncomfortable just and make sure obviously that there are enough seats for people there's nothing worse than you know kind of coming in and scrabbling for a seat Um, so it's it's about just just really basic things and then also understanding um, I'm sure this is more relevant in your line of work but I do definitely play this game as well the positioning of the importance of people yeah. um, yes. and putting them in prime position so that one person who is speaking can be seen by everybody, for example, yes. um, and not diminishing the role of, of somebody else who might be seen as, a, you know, maybe a minor assistant. But actually, you know, she could be the focal point of, of all of this. And she might want to sit, set, set herself aside. I say she, it could be a he. They might want to set themselves aside. And then it's important to show that they have an equal position of power at the table. Yes. Um, yes. And so have equal space around them rather than being squashed in a corner or, or not even at the table at all if there are many, many people in the room.
0: Oh, that's very helpful, Nikki, because certainly, I mean, as mediators, we all think it'd be lovely to have round tables, but there are very few office spaces that have round tables, so we're usually dealing with great big board tables or enormous square tables, and thinking how are we going to how are we going to manage this so that people all all feel equal actually, I think, but certainly nobody feels diminished or left out, which is more important yes.
1: And same for any kind of materials that are being used, you know, kind of um, boards and presentation materials so that everybody can see clearly because, um, you know, they can be can just feel quite uncomfortable kind of peering around people and not being able to see and then you don't feel involved. And the minute you don't feel involved, you kind of step back psychologically, you step out of the process. Um, and when you're wanting to involve everybody, then that's, that's the last thing you need, really.
0: So in, my, so in my Mary Poppins bag, carrying a table lamp yeah. and a plant would be great.
1: <laughs> I'm going to get you carpet bag, too.
0: Along with all my papers. Never mind the papers. I just bring the plants and the light. <laughs> Whilst you know. I was traveling, I, because um, I,
1: I traveled for about 18 months, and I carried a sarong that I pinned up in virtually every hotel I went to. When I say hotel, <laughs> I use the term very loosely. Uh, hostels in general, the cheapest room available. But I'd pin a, ho- I'd, I'd pin a sarong on the wall yes.
0: um,
1: that was just obviously very easy to carry um, and quite symbolic to me that it was my kind of token of home. But it was I, I don't know whether that would fit easier into a, into a bag.
0: Well, I think just bringing anything, one thing I have brought before is um, just a bowl of oranges, actually. Um, Not necessarily I expect people to eat them, but they are very bright and welcoming. And if you put them in a nice bowl in the centre of the table, I mean, if people want to eat them, they can. I, I did have a workshop once where I was using oranges as a prop and I was running the workshop. Morning and afternoon, but the morning people did eat all my props, so I didn't have any left for the afternoon. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, good, healthy option as
1: well. Well done, you. you um, apples are green and they're kind of a calmer color. Oranges are quite bright, but I, I don't think at that level, at that size, that's going to make too much of an impact. But maybe, maybe
0: um, not. They're nice and fresh, so and that's. Do good. you have thoughts about providing refreshments? Does does your sort of um, does your sort of work cover that or your thinking cover whether providing refreshments and and food like that uh, makes a difference?
1: Um, no that's just my personal point of view, yes. having <laughs> many, many conferences and just being given a, a range of biscuits yes, and right. most of the people in the room are discussing how gluten-free they are um, <laughs> and then having to sit down with, with biscuits is always rather um, or, or you know the curly white bread that arrives yes. with and something horrendous at lunchtime and yes. maybe a bit of a quiche um, is is a bit of a struggle in modern day
0: thinking yes it is and um, I went uh, we ran a, a workshop the other day at a place called Wallace Space where they I don't know if you've come across them they actually think about all of these things in terms of healthy food um, virtually no bread ar- around actually no sandwiches you know really nice nice food options and nice environment but quirky rooms they've all got a style to them and it you know it just makes it a little bit more fun actually definitely it gives people something to talk about and conversation points
1: are vital when there are people together who um, either there's an elephant in the room and it's a big discussion that's being that's waiting to be um to be discussed and they can't barge into that first um or there's they don't know each other and so Mm. having conversation points around the place um you know the quirkiness of a chair um the a piece of art, um something is that's that's quite unusual, um, can always just just give people something to to chat about and you know, it more basic than the small talk of how was your journey and Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Excellent. Well I'm getting some ideas and my uh and my Mary Poppins bag is growing bigger as our conversation goes on. I've got work of art to go in there now as well as a sarong and uh, <laughs> and the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. So I'll just order a lorry, I think, Nikki, <laughs> for my next mediation. Yeah. Uh, but tell us a little bit about other spaces. I think you you worked quite a bit in healthcare with healthcare, haven't you? Does so? How does how does our environment actually affect our our own mental and physical health? Do you think? <laughs> It's, it has psychological and
1: um, physiological impact on us. Um, colors will definitely change our mood. Um, and in terms of um, colors in the healthcare arena, there are some absolute no-nos. Um, and there are some that will be very, very calming and, and healing, which is obviously the ultimate outcome that you're wanting in a healthcare environment. So if we consider greens and blues, they will automatically make us feel um, Karma. Mm-hmm. We breathe deeper in those natural colors. Um, they, they have an impact on our eyes that will slow our heart rate marginally, which has an impact on, on how we feel and how frightened we feel. Whereas reds and bright colors and bright oranges will have the opposite effect. Um, so in environments where you want people to be chatty and talky, um, then those colors are much more relevant. Whereas if you want people to just feel calm and at ease and if they have something fearful coming, perhaps a a piece of surgery or just a discussion with a doctor, then finding a very calm place is, is incredibly important. Um, yellow is is the wrong colour purely because it has an impact on skin colour okay. um, and jaundice and and on a, <laughs> basic, a very basic level it can make you look quite poorly.
0: Yes.
1: Um, so they they rarely use that. But there's an awful lot of white around in hospitals mm. and that can mm. feel very clinical. Yes. And <laughs> quite scary for a lot of people. Some people will um, find white um, authoritative um, and clinical. Uh, which is is relatively useful in that in that environment, but not very helpful on on the heart in terms of how people feel. So, um, the choice of colours is key, and and also the choice of art. Um, there was a study done. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> there was a study done on choices of art. Um, in terms of how they helped healing, and it was found that abstract art was was the least healing mm. um portrait port- followed by portraits, but landscape was the was the big winner so in terms of your point earlier and finds a uh, you know finding a window with a view. That's incredibly important in a in a healthcare environment as well, yes. in a in kind of a sleeping environment, somewhere to look out onto. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside, because obviously there are multiple rooms that have no natural light at all, um, purely because of you know privacy and things like that, um, and the, and the size of the building. Um, you know, art that reflects um, a, a landscape will definitely help people feel feel a little better.
0: And now tell me about your book. So you've written this book called Creating Space. And uh, what I'm interested in is that does look at different spaces. So you talk about your outer space, um, your me space, your head space, your breathing space, and your heart space. (laughs) I know. I
1: know. I I like like it, it. it. I think oh, it's, but, yeah. um, it was one of those. Um, you know, you must have a structure for your book thinking. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, the structure of my book would be on the structure of a house. And so each of those different spaces kind of reflect a different um, part of uh, of the house, yes, but equally the part of the what's going on in your own mind. Um, i did a i was studying um, a lot, a lot of personal development work at the same time as interior design um, so they were kind of interwoven um, w- without my knowledge really um, which has been uh, interesting because i 've always discussed it ever since but the, the spaces that I found um, for the book was the the outer space is literally what your house looks like, how you feel as you approach your house, mm. not necessarily what others think, because everybody will judge your, everybody will judge your house no matter what you think. Um, they will have a very clear view of who lives behind what door, and um, that 's that's them and you know an estate agent will call that curb appeal whether it, it looks good from the road but I think it's equally important to you because uh, your home is your sanctuary. And if you approach it and go, oh, with a big sigh, uh, that's that's not helpful. If the gate squeaks and the paint is peeling and the, and the lawn hasn't been mowed and the, and the the porch light isn't working, all of those things have a psychological bearing on you. There's just a list of chores that you're going through in your head. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, she's gonna nag me about that. Oh, he's gonna nag me about that. Um, Whereas, if a if a space is welcoming, and you know the lawn is mown, and there's a pot of seasonal flowers at the door, or a plant at the door that just looks bright and cheery, mm. um, or the light is on, you know, in the winter months, um, and there's a, a it's a really nice welcome that will have an immediate impact on you. And you come from your stressful day, whatever that may be, looking after children, running a multi million pound empire, whatever it is, you can walk into your house and kind of shut the door away. And that first step has been something that is good for your well-being. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of the, the outer space bit.
0: Yes. And then when the, we I mean, you're saying for a me space that we all need somewhere to escape to. We talk about men having their man caves, but do we all need a space to escape to? We we really do. We really do.
1: And yes, that's something that um, people talk about and laugh about. But I very rarely find that men have a man cave at all. Um, um, I, I wrote the book uh, from probably from a more female perspective. It's designed for mums um, and kind of handling kids and trying to recreate the home that they loved and has now been demolished by a lot of plastic Um <laughs> <laughs> toys and the likes. Um, and I said to them how important it is, even if it's just an armchair um, and somewhere mm-hmm. with a nice light and a reading space for magazines or a glass of wine um, or a bathroom or somewhere that they can just shut the door because the house becomes an awful lot of the time their full responsibility. Yes. And yes. so to have a, a small part that's just their own. And this has had quite a, an enormous impact on on some people. Um, Who've definitely found complete separate rooms like an attic room who they they've then turned it into a hobby room and they've gone from um, I don't know whether depression is is quite right, but feeling quite low to suddenly thinking I've got my life back I can reclaim a little bit of who I am as opposed to just being so-and-so Billy's mummy
0: Um,
1: So I think that that can be very powerful but equally, it's, it's just as powerful for men um, because they come home and are frequently confronted with a, a list of things to do and what the children have been up to or, you know, listening to the, the wife's job as well. Um, and so they need somewhere to be able to fire gaze in terms of, you know, the Venus and Mars. Is that...
0: Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> That's all right. So, you know, a, a nice place for them to either fire gaze and just chill out for half an hour and just let go of the day. Um, or to go off and, and be able to find a space that they can work from home um, on a Friday or whatever day of the week, uh, as many days as possible, if, the, if that suits them. Um, and equally, you know, for them to have uh, a space for hobbies as well, although, you know, that's a little traditional, um, give them the garage and the gym and the and the bikes and all of that. <laughs> it's, so it does, it, it's frequently the case, you know, I, it, it's quite awkward having these conversations because sometimes you just think, oh... You know, it's, it's not very PC to say these things, but the truth is, I end up talking to men about TVs and women about cushions. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
0: like I, don't think I, I don't think my husbands haven't taken much notice of the cushions. <laughs> I have to say. There we have it. There we
1: have it. But everybody needs everybody needs a space where they feel comfortable. And um, again, looking at things from other people's points of view, what what might create comfort for one person might be the exact opposite for another. Having a very high tech environment might be deeply relaxing for some people to walk in and have a control panel to turn lights on and off and tv's on and the heating system and find out what's in the fridge all from the tap of a button can be incredibly relaxing for some people personally it stresses
0: me out when end. Yeah, yeah.
1: thinking and i don't too. know how to turn it on <laughs> but uh, it's uh i have people who help me with that i have to say
0: so I love the idea that we, you know, either either from we've talked about, you know, if we're running a business meeting, but also how we can energize ourselves uh, by paying attention to our own personal space in our homes and creating different aspects of that, which energize us in different ways. The final thing I wanted to just ask you, Nikki, is about branding, because that's something that... Um, you know more and more people even if they work in big companies are interested in what we call personal branding how do they present themselves uh, you know whether it's an actual brand as you and I have for a business or whether they're within a business but how do they present themselves and use um, environment or color or that sort of thing to to identify with Yes, I I come from a branding background. Actually, I used to work in
1: advertising. So I inevitably introduce certain things to to understand people as a family from a residential perspective. um, You know, I I will frequently find a, a certain color that everybody loves and then use it throughout the house. Um, and then give them the name of that colour. And so they feel a certain ownership to it. Mm -hmm. And in feeling an ownership to it, they they love it a little bit more. Um, Certainly, you know, some people can fall in love very deeply with a wild wallpaper, but it's not going to necessarily be everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, if it's a personal brand or if it's a a branding that's going to stretch across a family or a whole community or a business, Mm -hmm. those can be different things. in, a, in an office environment, it's very simple. Just choosing branding, um, you know, furniture colours based on the branding colours that they already have. I've just worked on a on a clinical on a clinic down the road, and they had some some beautiful colours that we just introduced spot colours throughout the space, and it was it was incredibly effective. Yes, uh-huh. colours. I know that people can can really kind of harness a colour and, you know, color, my, my colour is purple, I will wear purple and, you know, everything I own and everything I wear has for the rest of my life must be purple. I think that can be, you know, quite, quite strong and not entirely necessary. Mm. Uh, branding can be subtle. Um, I think it needs to be authentic is what, I, is what I think is the most important thing about it, is that it sits well with your personality. Which is why I do a lot of upfront work understanding what people are like, what, what's important to them, um, and so that when you, so that I only ever show them things that they will love, certain people love sharp, sharp angles and geometry and geometrical shapes, and, and that's really important to them. So I will introduce that at many levels in terms of fabric choices and furniture shapes, mm. um, whereas other people just want soft and bubbly. And their, their character might be soft and bubbly. And so things are much rounder and the colours are softer as a result. Um, and I think that can be translated on, on multiple levels from what, what your literature looks like to what your home looks like to what you wear, um, but
0: without doing them all excessively, if you see what I mean. I think uh, what's fascinating to me about this chat with you, Nikki, is that like my job in conflict resolution, yours in uh, design uh, stretches across the divide between work and home. And actually those two, you know, because we actually sometimes those spaces are the same now these days or a lot more people work from home, even if they work for a large business. Um, You know, we're both working with those two dimensions, if you like, the work and the home and finding that they blend. And we've got to be thinking about these things at lots of different levels and and perhaps they merge at some level as well. But how do we and for both of us, it's about how do we make people feel relaxed and comfortable and able to be themselves and to be authentic, um, to to have the best uh, output, if you like.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm very aware of that. Um, I'm very aware of who's been working, who's been looking after kids, how their day has been, whether they've been coming. If I'm going to go and do a presentation, for example, which I frequently do at around eight o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. um, and so I will automatically, you know, make sure that, you know, I'll kind of say, make sure the kids are in bed, for example, Uh, make sure everyone's been fed um including including people who are coming home on a later train um because I don't want to present to people on an empty stomach because mm-hmm. I know that they'll they'll be grouchy and wanting to focus on something else um you know make sure we're in a room where there's plenty of light and I can you know all the basics again mm-hmm. um there's there's a very uh, interesting overlap um also in terms of what people do and therefore you know how they might think um, I had a, a client a while back who was a, 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 an engineer, and so the level of precision and things that I used that were perhaps cantilevered, um, I, I kind of introduced those into the design scheme. So I just think that the whole work and life is so overlapped
0: yes. Yes. Um,
1: these days, and we have to be so aware of of how people um, uh, uh, of how people are being impacted by. Just by the, the simplest of things such as a commute, um, it, can, it can really have an enormous impact on well-being and we need to be tolerant of, of that in both the business and the home environment.
0: Well, Nikki, I've found this fascinating and sadly as ever, we're, we're running out of time, although I'm sure you and I will continue this discussion offline. But um, two things. Do you have uh, one final piece of advice for listeners just to sum up what we've talked about? And then how can people contact you if they're interested to learn more? The one, the one piece of advice
1: is, um, is to always buy things that you, that you deeply love. Mm. There is no point in buying stuff that will just do mm. uh, either invest a little bit more or just go looking and shopping for a little bit longer and find and only introduce things into your environment that you love looking at and that are going to benefit you um, William Morris very famously had things to say about that and i and I wholeheartedly agree that you should only buy things that you love so um there's there's that and then of course um, in terms of getting in touch with me uh, my website is nickyshafer interior design dot com dot mm-hmm. co dot uk I beg your pardon um, Nicky's awful to spell Schaefer's worse to spell so well it'll be <laughs> it'll be on the podcast yeah. Um but they're, they're relatively easy to find and there are lots of pictures there of different Excellent. pieces of work that I've done and I hope reflect a lot of different personalities because that's the most important thing for me is that um fashion comes and goes, but our houses are, are there for us and they are the platform for our lives. So they should reflect who who we are and make us
0: feel passionate and comfortable equally. I like that. That's a good note to end on, feeling passionate and comfortable at the same time. <laughs> Excellent. Nikki Schaefer, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight and um, I've learned a lot today. So thank you. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.